Hello, and welcome to Stories of Strangeness, episode 43. It's a mic episode. Oh, hold on, I haven't introduced myself. It's kind of a moot point at this point. If they don't know who they are by now, who we are by now. Who they are. Who they mm. are. If you don't know who you are by now, then we can't really help with that. Can you help with that? Can you yeah. help me? Yeah. Anyway, I'm Zoe, this is Mike. Hello. Let's do, let's do a thing. Yeah. Do it, Mike, do it. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. John Don, Meditation 17. During the Second World War, the Nazis were feverishly trying to do everything they could to win. There are reports of advanced technological research and development, super weapons, hidden bases, and occult study and practice to add to their already immense list of atrocities. One such device named Diglocka, or the Bell in English, has been subject to speculation ranging from the strange to the otherworldly in scope. It's important to note starting off that no photos of the bell exist in public circulation, so anything you find on Google image search is either invention, speculation, or a Photoshop mock-up for illustrative purposes. The bell was, depending on who you read or listen to, a secret superweapon, part of a Nazi space project, some kind of nuclear or particle reactor as a way to obtain fissile material for nuclear power, a time machine, a UFO, a zero-point energy anti-gravity device, or G, all of the above. So, for your chance to win, write down your answer on a postcard, throw it in the sea and hope to whatever that it finds its way down the ooze, which is our local river. (laughs) Good luck. Anyway, back to our regularly scheduled programming. In his 2001 book, The Hunt for Zero Point by Nick Cook, the author talked about a secret Nazi device called Die Glocke. He stated that the first origin of the story came from a book from 2000 called Pravda o Wunderwaffe, The Truth About the Wonder Weapon by Igor Witkowski. Witkowski described the device that was worked on by Nazi scientists as a glowing rotating contraption that was rumoured to have some sort of anti-gravitational effect, as part of a secret SS anti-gravity programme to produce a flying saucer. There were also rumours of time-bending effects. Nick Cook described the device as bell-shaped, about 12 feet high and 9 feet in diameter, which is 3.6 by 2.7 metres. Cook says it incorporated two high-speed counter-rotating cylinders that were filled with a purplish liquid metal that was apparently highly radioactive. It was codenamed Zerum 525, and that's Zerum with an X. According to the legend, the scientists who weren't killed by exposure to the radiation were summarily executed at the closing stages of the war to prevent the Americans, Russians and or British getting hold of the technology. The man in charge of the project, apparently, was Hans Kammler, SS Obergruppenführer, who was in charge of Nazi civil engineering projects and its top-secret weapons programs. Kammler began his career overseeing the construction of various concentration camps, including Auschwitz, but later was put in charge of the infamous V-2 rockets. Cook proposed that Kammler who disappeared sometime in 1945 under mysterious circumstances, traded the Bell technology in exchange for his freedom. In fact, no one is sure of what happened to Kamler, as there are conflicting accounts of his death as well as the above rumour. 
One report has Kamla talking to Clark McClelland, a NASA engineer, twice at Cape Canaveral during the Apollo program. It's entirely possible he was part of Operation Paperclip, where the US government naturalised Nazi scientists in order to gain their knowledge, skills and expertise, like Werner von Braun, who was chief architect of the Saturn V rocket systems that put men on the moon. Igor Witkowski's book, The Truth About the Wonder Weapon, provided much of the information about the Glocker, but it was not the first. The first mention of it comes from a book in 1960 called Le Matin de Magicien, or Morning of the Magicians, written by the brothers Bergier and Powell's Horton. Their book made numerous claims about the Nazis and their links to UFOs and occultism. The Hortons apparently designed flying wing aircrafts, which were said to be the basis for the 1947 Kenneth Arnold UFO case that spawned the term flying saucers. They were also reported to be the inspiration for the recent flying wing stealth planes and bombers. Igor was first approached in August 1997 by a Polish intelligence operative who sought Witkowski out, claiming to have documents regarding Nazi secret weapons. The operative knew Witkowski to be a military journalist and author of over 50 books on military technology. The documents which held the transcripts from an interrogation of former Nazi SS officer Jakob Sporenberg were shown to Witkowski, who was not allowed to make any copies. Witkowski explains in his book how vortices of plasma spinning in opposite directions was used to power the abilities of the bell. According to him, science has known that spinning bodies or bodies surrounded by spinning fields show a reduction in weight. Weight is different to mass, however, and the mass is not affected. Extrapolating out, it could be theoretically possible to achieve weightlessness on Earth using rotating fields of sufficient power. Witkowski notes that separation of magnetic fields on the surface of superconductors took place in Germany in the 30s and names W. Meisner and R. Ochsenfeld as the scientists involved. The construction of the bell itself was overseen by Professor Walter Gerlach under the codename Kronos, Latin Entrager in German. Gerlach was partly responsible for the Stern-Gerlach experiment that examined the spins of atomic nuclei in a strong magnetic field. Later, but still before the war, he shifted focus to looking into mercuric plasma and self-contained or closed plasma vortices, known as solitons, brought on by his observation of ball lightning in the laboratory. Gerlach worked with Professor Pasquale Jordan, a gravity researcher, and Piotr Kapitza, from the USSR who gave the first mathematical description of solitons and won a Nobel Prize for that work. Once war broke out between Germany and the USSR, work between the two men ceased, but they maintained documented correspondence. This, according to Witkowski, is the smoking gun that Germany was looking into contained plasma vortices as a way to defeat or control gravity and its effects. The research for the project was carried out at the Research Institute of the AEG Consortium in Berlin. Documents from the time confirm a device powered by high voltage and also refer to it as decisive for the war or Kriegsentscheidend in German. The main project was said to be undertaken at the abandoned Wenceslas mine located in what is now Poland 
and utilised it as a secret underground base with which to experiment with the device and its effects. The bell was shaped like its namesake and ceramically shielded on the outside. When turned on, it emitted harmful radiation and a buzzing sound, and glowed with a soft purplish light. Inside, two cylindrical chambers were spinning, one over the other, that contained some form of mercury, possibly red mercury, the fabled isotope of mercury which is radioactive. This powered some sort of vortex compression, leading to the separation of magnetic fields. The project was under the control of the SS in conjunction with the army. The site was equipped with a large cooling tower known as the flytrap, as well as huge power cables that delivered high voltage to the area, which a cooling tower would not need. The tower was set atop a henge, a raised ring of earthwork, and some theorists claim it was used as a launching pad for the bell for vertical takeoff and landing. Labour came from nearby concentration camps, and toward the end of the project the SS is said to have sealed the mines with up to 20,000 workers inside, so as to seal their lips forever. The lack of documentary evidence, including that purportedly seen by Witkowski, is seen by proponents of the theory as evidence only that the documents were hidden by Nazi or Allied powers, or that they were destroyed. Critics of the theory suggest that this absence, in fact, only confirms that the thing never existed at all. Some theories say that the device is buried in a mountain in Poland, inside a train of Nazi gold. Others say that the device was moved to an unknown location, and allegedly is now in possession of a private group, whose goals are said to be for the highest betterment of all humankind. We can but hope. Some have pointed out that if anti-gravity was achieved by the Germans, why didn't they use it? It surely would have won them the war. Well, there were reports of Foo Fighters, from where the band gets its name, from Allied pilots in the war, from November 1944 onwards. In these encounters, pilots recalled seeing round glowing craft that could not be caught as they moved too fast and made incredible high-speed manoeuvres, and afterwards simply vanished into thin air. They apparently flew together in formation and appeared under intelligent control, but never displayed any hostile intent. They simply followed aircraft at high speeds and could not be outmaneuvered or shot down. The Allied leaders took this report seriously, presuming them to be some kind of mystery technology of the Axis's forces, but German and Japanese pilots reported similar sightings. In December of 1965, the village of Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, was witness to an incident involving the apparent crash landing of a bell-shaped UFO. A fireball in the sky was reported by residents of six US states and Ontario, Canada, that also caused sonic booms in the Pittsburgh area. It apparently landed heavily in the woods near Kecksburg, and witnesses reported vibrations, wisps of blue smoke and a definite thump when it hit. The Kecksburg Tribune Review made an early report stating that the whole area had been sealed off by the US Army and state police, yet state troopers and Air Force personnel reported that they found, quote, absolutely nothing, despite witness reports that allegedly saw a large object being removed on the back of a flatbed truck. <laughs> Explanations of plane crashes and errant missiles from tests or re-entering satellite debris were discounted 
and the object was generally believed to be a meteor that had almost completely broken up by the time it hit. NASA attributes the incident to the re-entry of a Soviet Venus probe that failed and crashed to Earth after examining metal fragments from the area. Witnesses came forward to state that they had been in the area before authorities came and describe a bronze acorn-shaped object about the size of a VW Beetle. The object had markings like hieroglyphics encircling its base, which were only glimpsed before they were ushered off by military personnel. It's worth noting that Cyrillic, the script of the Russian language, could look like hieroglyphics to someone who'd perhaps never seen it before, which was more likely back in 1965. Stories circulated of Men in Black-style agents turning up at several homes in Kecksburg to advise people to keep quiet about what they saw. Local reporter John Murphy, who worked for the local radio station WHJB, was among the first on the scene and who claimed to have taken photos of the object. After being barred from covering the military's activities in the area, Murphy became convinced of a cover-up and created a radio documentary called Object in the Woods. Before it aired, he was allegedly visited by government officials who confiscated his photos. The version of the documentary that aired was heavily edited and didn't even mention the mysterious object, according to Murphy's wife. Four years later, Murphy was killed in an apparent hit-and-run accident. Theories about the Kecksburg acorn range from UFOs to Russian satellites to de Glocker itself due to the similar descriptions of size and shape. A report from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette from 2015 titled Five Decades Later the Kecksburg UFO is Identified, brackets probably, <laughs> stated that two Westmoreland County researchers put forward the theory that it was an American spy satellite made by GE. What do you think? Well, quite frankly, all of the information at the beginning melted my brain. Yeah. That was all over the place. Was, yeah. It was for me, very difficult to follow. It was very difficult to write, to be honest with you, because <laughs> there's so many different bits mm. that I got from different places and some bits contradicted others, as yeah. always. Um, so we haven't got any real of-the-time evidence. Not as such. such, no. More kind of hearsay, this is what we think from, was it the 60s was the, the earliest kind of written? The uh, No, it was, when was it? Hang on. I'll find it. Because you mentioned books referring to each other. and the, Yeah, the 1960. So, so that was a good 15, 20 years yeah. after the fact. After the war, yeah. Um, but but the, then... It, it, it was the, the 2000-book by Witkowski, the, yeah, the, really the Truth of, About the Wonder Weapon, that really shook things up. There. And the thing is, Witkowski is a, a Polish journalist, mm -hmm. like I say, has written over 50 books on military technology yeah. and written innumerable articles about military yeah. technology. So this guy knows his stuff. He was approached by a Polish intelligence officer who said, I've got some information you might be interested in. Yeah. Showed him these documents about de Glocker. And he went, Ooh. And he went, book. Ah, book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for somebody that has worked as a journalist and has written books on military technology to then just suddenly invent stuff for sales of a book seems unlikely. Kind of almost like he didn't really need to if he's already got yeah, right. you know, yeah. books out there. <laughs> exactly. If he's already written like loads of books on military technology, you could just carry on. You wouldn't yeah. need to go, oh, well, here's this spurious 
probably not real Yeah, because then if it was thing. disproven, then yeah. all of his other books would be questioned as well. Kind of, except most of his other books are probably non-fiction in some way of, you know. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But like... You can't really disprove non-fiction because it can be looked up. It depends. Up. And it also... It depends how it's, like, what kind of research he's done. If it's very specific yeah. first-person accounts of something that happened... And yeah. then it's from the past, and he says, okay. oh, this is what someone told me. That person is no longer with us. But I'm guessing his other books are more like, you know, The Ultimate Guide to Stealth Bombers or right, okay. that kind of two thing. Two plus two is four. Yeah, kind really of, yeah, kind of that, stuff okay, that can be okay. verified. But I kind of like the idea that, well, I should say like, the idea that after the war, there was some Nazi scientist that was like over in America. Yeah. He took all of his stuff with him. Maybe, you know, had like a little box somewhere. Yeah. And then maybe he died and the box was given to like some little kid in the family who no one really, because no one really knew what it was for. And the kids, they're playing. Oh, I'm going to press this button. Boop. And somewhere in Germany, beep, beep, beep. <laughs> and, and flying around. And, oh, homing, homing pigeon kind of thing where it's like, yep, I'm going to find you. It hits the woods no, in Kecksburg. Yeah. No one knows. Yeah. Like a kid doesn't realise, the family doesn't realise because so, really no one knew who he was. So one of the most intriguing things about this entire story is that nobody knows what this thing was for. Yeah, I not was going to really. say, it's called a bell. But well, because it's kind of shaped like a bell. Yeah, It's not going to ring. Well, we assume leave. not. It hummed apparently or buzzed. But the thing is, it's like they they literally don't know whether it was a form of transportation, whether it was kind of some kind of nuclear reactor. Yeah. So. There is evidence to suggest that the Nazis were trying to build an atomic bomb because obviously the the Americans were and managed it. Now, at the time, what they they, they kind of realised they needed was uranium Mm -hmm. to to power the atomic bomb. Now, there are different isotopes of uranium and the one that is the best for making atomic bombs is uranium-235. But we're not sure if that was common knowledge back then or or certainly maybe not known to the germans yeah however near the wenceslas mine there is a thorium mine now thorium can be bombarded with protons and that makes it into protactinium just bear with me yeah bear with me (laughs) yeah and basically protactinium and i forget the isotope number but protactinium if you leave it for 27 days naturally degrades into uranium Two three eight two three seven or two three three. I can't remember. It was one of the isotope numbers that isn't quite as good as, but it's very close. Because basically, in order to make the atomic bombs for the Americans, they literally had to mine atoms. They had to mine at the atomic scale. I don't understand. So basically, (laughs) one in a hundred uranium atoms is uranium two three five. Oh blimey! And the rest of this other one, which is not as good for making it because it's more dangerous to work with. It gives off huge amounts of gamma radiation. Apparently, one of the other things I listened to, they had a researcher chemical analysis and they were saying that the uranium-23, whatever it was, releases a comical amount of gamma radiation if if you use it incorrectly, basically. Comical. Yeah. And they sort of said, well, what, what does comical kind of mean? It was like, well, kind of melt your skin amounts yeah that sounds really funny yeah <laughs> so it's kind of like the it, they likened it to the opening the ark yeah. in raiders of the lost ark and then oh. all the nazis are just like melting away maybe that's what it was maybe that's what it was yeah, yeah. exactly 
But the idea being that near to this Wenceslas mine that was abandoned long before the war, they had a thorium mine. And if they mined thorium, they could make it into protactinium. If you literally just leave protactinium alone for about just under a month, you have uranium that you can then use for an atomic bomb. So it's possible that it was some kind of proton accelerator to bombard thorium. It's really frustrating, though, because they've obviously spent a lot of time on this weird and wonderful, amazing thing, yet nobody knows. Somebody somebody knows. Somebody did Somebody somewhere knows. Possibly not anymore, but yeah. yeah, This is the thing. Is is it going to be lost to ages? But yeah, the idea that basically when the work was kind of, or when the war was coming to a close and they knew they weren't going to finish in time, they just blew the mine and left all the workers inside to die. Oh, God. So there are 20,000 people trapped in a mine in Poland that died in there. And they're saying that, like, there are still shafts that lead it down, but all as as you get certain depth in, they, they are all completely closed off. Yeah. And in theory, you could open it up and see if there was an underground base, maybe get some idea of what they were doing in there. Yeah. But the cost of excavating it would be huge. So nobody is prepared to, 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 pay to do that, to see what was going on. Oh. But there's also rumours that this thing might have been some kind of kind of anti-gravity device Mm -hmm. so effectively like a ufo and there were if you if you look online and and search like nazi ufo there are loads of supposed photographs of flying disc like objects with nazi insignia on them and things like this and somebody allegedly found a blueprint whether it's real or not i have no idea but in the middle of it there is a very odd bell-shaped object yeah. Which you're like, well, was this thing a power source for say, something else? I was going to say, like a battery. Else? Yeah, essentially. I feel like, like a, yeah. you, what, you have to like kind of get them close to each other and then maybe hit the bell and it resonates and that creates like some kind of weird... Yeah, interesting. Well, there's, there, is, there are interesting theories about, about sound and about sonics and about harmonics and things. I don't know, it just seems that, really strange that it is bell-shaped, that I feel like sound should have something to do with it. Yeah. Whether it's hum, whether it's like... Could it be almost like a sonic boom if it's hit hard enough? Will it take out electronics? Yeah. Will it, I don't know. Well, like I say, there's, there's theories that the ancients used sound to cut stone and things like that. Yeah. And that's kind of how part of the pyramids got built. They were built using like sound. And there's, there is some evidence to suggest that you may even be able to levitate things using sound. I mean, you, you can. You can, well, you you can, can use if, subsonic if a, transducers to levitate small objects. Well, if you can get like a vibration going so quickly mm. that it it can almost seem like levitation and you would then yeah. be able to Just move. push the block, yeah. Like, you know when you get um, like a, a bass, like a speaker, and yeah. you have the bass going and it, it gets to like a hum and you can put stuff on it and it just kind of... It yeah. vibrates and kind of like sand or something. Yeah, it moves. When you see the, the they do a, the experience with the sand and, yeah, it, and it, it, it changes, changes shape, shape as they that. change frequency If you and put stuff, a larger yeah. object on there and that was to move, you would be able to push it fairly easily i would have thought so yeah, yeah that's a really interesting also i guess if if you had something like sand underneath it and the sand's moving if you vibrate sand at a certain level you basically get a, an effect of a liquid yeah sand so you'd be can, able to sort of slide. it behaves as a liquid so you could literally slide the block along Ooh. how you would do that i don't know but it's it's an interesting concept it's basically it's like me walking along 
where there's like gravel on a road or a path and right. I start to walk and then the gravel carries on moving and so do I and then I fall flat on my bum. But yeah. carry moving, carry on moving. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I, that's actually a good analogy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you do just keep moving once you've got that kind of, yeah. was it not inertia? What's the... Yeah, no, inertia is the right yeah. word. Yeah. You just keep on going. Yeah. It's, you know, the, it's like many hands make light work. It's yeah. the many, many... Pebbles, Many particles rocks, make make smooth runnings. Yeah, something Peace like that. Journ- I don't know. <laughs> cool runnings. That's it, isn't it. Cool. Yeah. Cool runnings. Oh gosh. But but yeah, there's the, there are some people that are like, well, it was an anti gravity device, and if you can create anti gravity, you are effectively warping space, and by warping space, you are also warping space time because mm. the two are intrinsically linked, possibly as some kind of field. And that's how they bought. Um, Hellboy through, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But also that if you can warp space and time, in theory, you can make a time machine. So there's all sorts of weird So theories. the crash landing in America was actually them going forward in time or back in time? Yeah, maybe it was or, their first test flight and it went and it forward went bit, in time. It went a bit wrong because actually where it kind of came, like if it was crashing down to Earth, they thought that's where Germany was going to be, but because it was the wrong time. Maybe they forgot to take into account the rotation of the Earth. Yeah. Went up, disappeared, came back Leap down, years. and several you know decades later, it was in a different position. Yeah. Although you'd also have to take into account the rotation of the Earth around the Sun. Yeah. Because in theory, if the you if you disappeared from a point now and came back in ten years, the Earth might not be in the same spot at all. <gasps> I mean, you'd have to be kind of pretty much to the day. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because I'm a bit slightly elliptical, isn't it? I think. And then we've got the the 23-degree wobble that we've got on our axis, which gives us the seasons and the precession of the thingies. And then you've got the the North Pole and the South Pole that are slowly swapping places again. Yeah. And that could, like, you know, mess mess your instruments up. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, yeah, the the whole thing, because I don't think I've really ever heard of it, like, the bell specifically, because I've heard a lot about the Nazis... You know, working on really various things. Um, yeah, what's the word? Secret kind of advanced technology. Yeah, I've also heard quite a lot about the you know the whole cult thing, the all of that malarkey. The, yeah, the occult stuff. The, the occult stuff. Yeah, which apparently may have been played up. Although apparently I mean, Himmler was quite into it and wanted to start some kind of some kind of pagan organization within the nazi party that was kind of praying to now, the old gods or whatever when you say pagan yes what do you mean well i'm guessing it means the the old old gods way before christianity and things like that some more kind of nature spirits and i'm not sure it didn't elaborate in the because bit that i, I read I, you know these days when we say pagan we do have to be very aware that it is now an accepted actual an official religion, religion yeah. rather than using the old um, pagan to just mean yeah. not Christian. Yeah. So, well, I'm I'm meaning kind of like maybe the old Germanic gods. Yeah. Presumably, but but yeah, there was other theories that they were trying to make a nuclear bomb that was small enough that it could be almost about the size of a of a baseball or something like that, like a cannonball, but ball. could still level a city. Yeah. Well, that's terrifying. But the, the the again, there are kind of theories upon theories upon theories. So one theory was that the Nazi bell 
was used to create wormholes, which are mathematically possible, apparently, according to wow. science. Okay. So there is, the, the, it's actually called an Einstein-Rosen bridge, which is essentially okay. a wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Which I always kind of imagine it like the bit in The Expanse where there's just a hole in space and there's a different yeah. sky behind it kind of thing, yep. which also ties back into things like Skinwalker Ranch where mm-hmm. holes appeared in the sky and there were Big different Foot skies behind them. Bigfoot going on holiday. Bigfoot going on holiday, which yep. we've, we've, we've covered before. Yep. But the idea was that the Nazis might have been trying to create a wormhole so that they could open a hole that Drop opened onto the sky above New York and just... Drop, yeah. What, what if that... Drop a nuke in, close the wormhole. Yeah. Especially Badoosh. if you could do one that was like the size Instantaneous of a, delivery a, system, they'd never see it coming. Yeah, you'd literally exactly. Just have, you wouldn't have to open a very big portal then, no, would you? Just to exactly. bring it through. Just, just literally drop it in. And then... Because something that size as well would would fly beneath the radar or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, well, absolutely. It wouldn't, wouldn't have any like, kind of radar oh, signature, something that size. Yeah. Yeah, you Maybe probably wouldn't pick it up at all. Maybe that's how the bell got to America then. Or maybe well, that that thing got to America. Someone actually went, you know, yeah. started up a motor over there and dropped it in. And then this whole, we found absolutely nothing. It's like, oh, yeah. come on. You could have at least gone, it was the, what was it? The light from Uranus refracting off bloody... Marsh G- gas. Marsh yeah. gas something, <laughs> you know, something. But yeah. to say absolutely nothing when people blatantly saw something being taken out. Yeah. We- well, I've, I've seen some photos online and I, I have no idea of the veracity of them or, you know, anything. But there is a photo of something that looks like a giant acorn being loaded onto the back of a flatbed truck. Which is strange considering people said they saw a giant acorn and then there's things like like a giant giant acorn being shipped out, but nothing was found. So, I mean, the thing is as well is that the... All the stuff that if, if you go online and you search for DigLocker and you put it into like Google image searches, you do get lots of images come up. But like I said at the beginning, these are all illustrative at best. Almost all of them have a big swastika stamped on the side so that you know exactly who it's, whose it was, which, you know, judging oh, from... Faster. Yeah. They did their swastika, they, Yeah, they? They, they put it on everything, didn't they? Literally so I mean, everything. like Jeeps, you know, uniforms, airplanes, the whole lot. Just flags, everywhere flags. Yeah. And if it wasn't the swastika, it was the Iron Cross or whatever. Yeah. You know, they had several emblems. But they were very fond of putting emblems on things, so I wouldn't put it past them. But the artist's impression of the Kecksburg craft does look slightly different. However, it's two different know. artists' interpretations yeah. of things they've never really seen and are going from a description <laughs> of. So it could be that they were Seven identical. Seven blind men describing an elephant. Yeah. And and some of the some of the illustrations of Diglocker do seem to have kind of strange symbols around the bottom now whether that's because people have read into it and gone well the Kecksburg one did and if it's the same thing therefore we'll illustrate yeah. it like that. So it does kind of muddy the waters a little bit because it's like nobody's sure if Diglocker had uh, yeah. sort of strange symbols around the bottom or not as far as I can remember reading. But yeah, then the the Kecksburg one was was a bit odd, and it's the whole thing is just hilarious. How it's like, you know, they they cordoned off a large chunk of the forest. They wouldn't let civilians anywhere near, and this is from eyewitness accounts of yeah. civilians that got turned away. And then it For was like, nothing. but we found absolutely nothing. But we did need all of these really? trucks to find nothing. Yeah, thank you. And then I think there was there was another account of like trucks at the Wenceslas mine toward the end of the war and again they were all 
black windows, completely blacked out, no insignia, no nothing anywhere mm, there. Super secret. Yeah. And, and you know, loading stuff onto the back of them. So that could have been all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, the, the fly trap is interesting because that's still there. And it does look just kind of like a, a cooling tower. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's like a, a ring held up by pillars. Yeah. A circular ring held up by pillars. Okay. And some people say that they kind of ran wires from it so that the glocker hung in the middle either to then take off or disappear, however it manoeuvred or whatever, whether it opened a wormhole and just threw itself through or yeah. or perhaps just to have it there if it was a, a, a reactor of some kind so that it was hung in midair so that it wasn't touching anything so it got as yeah. much airflow as possible to cool it and blah, blah, blah. But apparently the the either the Zerum 525, and again, the 525 can't just be random. That has to be referencing something possibly. Mm-hmm. So that might be some kind of isotope number yeah, or something say, like that. Yeah. But yeah, there's this kind of red mercury is, is this whole kind of mythological thing anyway that apparently the, I think the, I don't know if the Allies were using it as well, but the, I think the Nazis were accused of, trying to use this stuff called red mercury which was highly radioactive yeah to build their atomic bomb which they failed at and part of the reason is is because it might have been that whatever material they were using was like chucking out loads of gamma radiation which they weren't able to detect or didn't know about at the time and literally loads of the scientists died okay yeah so this cooling tower yeah it's like a big donut Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, donut held up by toothpicks, if you imagine something like that. Yeah. Okay, Although, so well, it's a big... maybe not. All I'm, th- I'm thinking... The like, ring's not that like big. Like a collider. Like a, could, could it have been something like that? Like one of the... Like the... What's it called? Collider. Like the Hadron Collider? Yeah. No, because this was just a concrete so, thing. Oh, it was, just, it was just concrete, so it wasn't... As far as, as you can tell, it was. I think it was steel reinforced because it's one of the pictures I looked at said, oh, look at the fact that there is steel reinforcements in the joints between the actual top ring and the support struts. Right, because I'm um, trying to kind of get it in my head. Could it have been hollow that something was flowing round it? That but it, could it be- didn't look a million miles from Stonehenge. If you imagine oh, kind of Stonehenge, if Stonehenge was complete. Yeah. Like a, like a simplified version of that. So it's just literally a huge concrete ring with support struts all right. the way around. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Which they're like, it, it's probably just a cooling tower, but probably. fine. Yeah. Okay. If Sounds it was great. just a cooling tower, why were there massively high voltage cables coming right to it? A cooling tower wouldn't need high voltage. No. The only thing it would need high voltage is some kind of device that used an absolute crap ton of power to do what it needs to do. Yeah. So, yeah, weird. Not sure. I think that's just you've just left me with more questions than answers. Yeah, I think in this um, particular case there are that's exactly how it is. There are more questions than answers if and I'm honest. Annoyingly, we will probably never, never know. get the answers. Unless the one of the latter things is true and it is in the hands of a group of people that want to do something for the betterment of all humankind. In which case, maybe one day it'll as, as come time out. goes on, I am less and less convinced that any kind of group feel is is like yeah. that at all. I, I also think that the that groups that tend to get together and want to do things for the betterment of you humankind, generally the ones that you need to worry about. Yeah, the greater good. The Nazis thought they were doing 
what they were doing for the for betterment of yeah. humankind. It's like if you need to be secret, yeah. it's probably because there are going to be people who disagree with you a lot. Yeah. And yeah, some of that might be because they're annoyed that you're going to take away their control or, you know, the bad side of things. But but if but, it was for the betterment, everyone else would be behind you. Well, you say that, but think about like the Matrix. You know, if everybody is plugged into the Matrix, you know, Morpheus says many of these people are not ready to be freed. Yeah. They're not ready for the for the real truth behind it all. It would jar them so massively that you'd have widespread panic, possible rioting and looting and all sorts of things because people just couldn't cope with the truth. And he's like, you know, we're doing what we're doing for the betterment of all humankind, but a lot of them aren't ready for it. But also, so there's that kind of thing as well. If you actually look at it, being in a simulation, yeah, there's there's going to be a real big split there of the people who are doing well in that simulation yeah, are going yeah, to be like, exactly. fuck this, I don't want to be like swimming around in the old sewers and yeah. living in caves underground. Cypher. Exactly. Ignorance is be, bliss. I want to be somebody important. Yeah, like, put me say, back in. an actor. Anything you want, Mr. Reagan. <laughs> it's hilarious that, you know, the idea is that Cypher is probably Ronald Reagan. Amazing. But but then, yeah, but then there will be people who who would probably be more prone to believe because they've had a horrible life and suffered through, like, quite traumatic experiences. To yeah. then be said, actually, we'll take you out of that situation and, yeah, this might not be great, but this is real. Yeah. They may be more... But, like, you know, could you imagine, like, famous... Hollywood actors, you know, yeah, royal yeah. family, millionaires, billionaires, all these people yeah. with all the money and all the All the power and influence. Then go, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to take you out of that sim- simulation and we're yeah. going to, you're going to live in... in you're these, going to enjoy eating the gruel and the... Yeah, yeah, it tastes a bit like, what was it, tasty chicken, like no, tasty, tasty wheat. Tasty, that's tasty it, oh, wheat. my God, yeah, mouse, do it. <laughs> and it's like, but what? Does, that's why chicken tastes like everything. Yeah. Yeah, get, eat your gruel, love, yeah. <laughs> eat up. Yeah, and they're yeah. like... Shit. Yeah, you would not want to be taking that that red pill <laughs> if you were in a position of of wealth and power and you know privilege. You'd you'd be like, I'll the blue one's fine. I'll take the blue one. Yeah, it's all good. It's like, yeah, just, I'll wake up in my bed and believe whatever I want to believe. That's fine. Brilliant. Yeah, and so, I yeah. honestly don't. I don't know what what I would do. I really, really don't. <sighs> I I would want more information about going in. Like, right, okay, so what happens after? Well, afterwards, we live on a spaceship. We're pretty much constantly hunted, almost like kind of Terminator-type situation yeah. by robots. And, then, and you get to eat something that has the, the consistency of snot every day. I'd oh, be my like, God, no. I hate porridge. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I, I, I have a, should we just call it a protein shake so that we don't end up advertising something in... But yeah. yeah, see, I can't a kind even. Of a, I can't a shake a drink couple of that. The consistency of that makes me. Yeah, but whereas I quite like it. Exactly, but, but then, then I quite like lumpy porridge. So yeah, and I just, I just like it. tapioca. <laughs> the only yeah, thing tapioca. I, I never really got. The only on thing with. I kind of go for is like I could eat semolina, which I, is I, weird. Yeah, but I haven't had I think it in so. years. I used to really that. like rice pudding no, when I was a kid. Absolutely Loved not. It. Again, it's got that kind of weird, Warm rice slimy, pudding lumpy, with a big blob of jam in it. Blip. Perfect. Blip. Blip. But I haven't had that in goodness knows how many years. Yeah, I mean... That's just rice you know, cooked with milk in it. Well, it's it's pudding rice, isn't it? It's yeah. not normal rice. You can't just use, like, basmati. <laughs> 
I've got you some. There's your rice pudding. Rice. It's savoury. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I think that's pretty much it. It's kind of it's kind of halfway between rice and porridge. I don't think it matters. Savoury. I think it's more the the consistency of it when it's boiled, whether yeah. it falls to pieces or not, and goes mushy. Because you yeah. don't want mushy rice if you're having like a chili a or curry. a curry. Yeah. But if you wanted to actually have like your, your pudding, gummy, it needs to gross, be kind of gruelly slop, splatchy. Then yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'd I'd probably want to know more about like you know. Okay, I get that you can't. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because Morpheus is like, I can't tell you because even if I tell you, you probably won't believe yeah. me. But also, you have what to experience to me, it for like, yourself. If I was to say, right, I'm going to remove myself um, from from this construct. Yeah. What happens to you? And her? Do I we, just disappear from yeah, your life? you just and, disappear. You're, you're a missing person's case. Do you remember me or yeah. do you not remember me? Yeah, we'll probably remember you unless the program tells us otherwise. Exactly. But I don't know if they can get around memories. There was never any kind of mention of, of memory. Well, no, there was a memory manipulation thing because basically he said, Cypher said, put me back in. Yeah. I don't, don't want to remember anything. Yeah, exactly. So in theory, they can alter memories. So if they can alter memories... In theory, they had the they had the perfect system, because even if Neo was like, "Oh, this is all fake, and I can change it," they could have just wiped his memory. In theory, but I guess the point was that they couldn't necessarily identify which human in the real world needed the memory wipe. Yeah, well, based ca- on the on the one, because they had to give him the pill to interrupt his input-output carrier signal yeah. so that they could figure In, they out could which pod out was actually him. related to the digital version of him. Because yeah. in theory, there's no physical correlation between a person in a pod and a person in the Matrix universe. No. So you wouldn't be able to tell who it was. Which pod person was the... Which is how they did it. Yeah. But yeah, in theory, if, if they'd have figured out which pod related to Neo in the Matrix, they could have wiped his memory. They could have just, just emptied him out. I was going to say and Morpheus, but actually Morpheus wasn't in the pod, was he? He no. was hacking into the Matrix from outside. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to see the new one. I was going to say, and now all that, I need to see the new one. And apparently it's quite divisive, so... Yes, yeah. I've heard. I've heard that too. But then again, to be honest with you, the two and three were quite divisive as Indeed. well, so... Indeed. They were, they were certainly a huge letdown. Well, the thing is, though, they had such, such a big, like, such big boots to fill. Yeah. There was, yeah. Yeah, the Matrix. I mean, the the, the thing is as well is that the, the, the Matrix was such a leap forward in certain types of visual effects and stuff yeah. like that, that once you've done that, you can't then wow audiences with it in the second and third films because they've already seen it. Yeah. So you can do it again and people are like, yeah, that's still cool, but it never has that impact. This is why I think all these so-called Avatar movies that they're doing... Are just going to be. I really can't see why anybody would care. The first one was kind of rubbish. We should have just really. stuck with Fern Gully and be done the, with it. The the effects were quite cool. I saw it in three D and it was it was the, interesting. The, the weird little yeah the bits thing. in the that in was the that air. one that is literally it was like, all I remember. Okay, that was that was kind of cool. That's all I remember from the film is but that the story scene where those really, little white poofy things were floating yeah. out and it was like oh it's magic. Yeah, but that's I can't remember any of the story the, apart the, from the, the fact I think the three D was used fairly well. You know, there were bits in it where you were like, whoa, that was cool. But, I mean, that that was a fad that, you know, nobody's really done 3D films much since that fad died out again. Yeah. You know, 3D TVs came out and then disappeared because nobody was using them. 
because you have to, I think so many people these days they have their TV on but they're not always 100% watching it yeah so you can't sit and eat your, your tea wearing 3D specs because God knows what's going to happen there you yeah. can't like do work on, on your laptop or look at your phone while we while you've got that it's on just, yeah. it just doesn't work no but yeah the, the the Avatar movie itself, I mean, I, I don't know what it did in terms of box office. Maybe it was massively successful. But I think it was. The story was meh. The effects were okay. The 3D was reasonably well implemented. But if you didn't see it in 3D, you didn't miss out on I a huge I amount. I think I did see it in 3D, but I don't like 3D movies. Yeah, I'm like... It made, uh, it made my eyes go a bit funny. They're too, they're too gimmicky. Yeah. It's it's almost like the 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 people making them go oh we're, we're doing it it's three D so make sure the shark comes towards the screen or make yeah. sure Freddy Krueger stabs towards the screen with his knife hands and yeah it's all that kind if of if I want uh, to see a three dimensional film I go to the theatre where I can see real people on a stage and they can throw things at me yeah yeah I don't know it's, anyway we have digressed weird. greatly my love well, that's fine that's what we do <laughs> you always say that and it's like that's part of the podcast is us digressing. It's fine. Still haven't mentioned biscuits. Oh, we have now, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's a very weird case because nobody really knew what it did. Nobody really knew where it went. Nobody really knew if it existed at all. Exactly. Apart from possibly Igor Witkowski, who may have seen legitimate <laughs> documents relating possibly. to it, but wasn't you know wasn't allowed to make any copies or anything like that, which I, I get. But at the same time, that undermines really undermines them. the legitim- legitimacy of it. Good Lord, I could barely say that. Yeah, I don't know. It's so I think the the thing about the Nazi occultism seems to get kind of played up by Hollywood quite a lot, and yeah. it might not have been anywhere that near the amount that it could have been. Could have just been propaganda. Yeah, like you know, yeah. oh, just another evil. way to kind of demonise the other side. Worship devils. Yeah, they want to take us to hell. But like I say, it's like it's it's funny because. You've got this this war going on, and and the, the, you know the average citizens are told, right, these people are really evil and they're doing all this stuff. But there was plenty of stuff the Allies. You don't think Allied Allied forces tortured people? Mm-hmm. Of course they did. Oh, they no, tortured we were people like for interrogations and for Lord information. And yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like we tortured people. There were there were Allied concentration camps that had Germans in them that were you know on a par with the kind of level of treatment of the German yeah. concentration camps. It's it's all that kind of stuff. It's it's the old thing of history is written by the winners and the winners get to pick and choose what parts go into the history books and what doesn't. And the mere fact that, you know, you had companies that were selling to both sides during the war, like <coughs> IBM. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, <coughs> yeah. Ford. Ford, I think, provided quite a lot of engines for... Uh, a lot of the German vehicles. Oh, no, that was um, Volkswagen, though. Well, it was bo- both, but like, there was also the oil additive. There was an additive that they put in the oil for planes that basically made them fly smoothly, and without it, it was a real struggle to get them and keep them up in the air. Yeah. Well, that came from US's standard oil, from the Rockefeller family. Well done. The Rockefeller family made that additive and obviously sold it to the Germans because how else would they get it? Yeah. If it was yeah. only made by that one company, so they were all playing both sides. And at the end of the war, America and Russia went right. We'll have those scientists. Yeah. And Take apparently, it. it's interesting because there was something I was listening to the other day where they were saying that Werner von Braun, who was like the head of 
most of Nazi Germany's rocket division. And like I say, he was um, the head of the Saturn V rocket that got Apollo astronauts to the moon. He was described as a mid-level scientist. So there were scientists that were way considered to be way more intelligent and impressive than he he was. And he sent folks to the moon. And apparently, a lot of the scientists that were like really high-ranking went to the USSR. They didn't go to America after the war because they were like, well, because in theory, the Nazi Party was originally called the Nazi Socialist Party. Yeah. Now. People go on about like, oh, yeah, see, Hitler was a lefty. It's like, no, 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 no. No, they were fascists. They just called themselves socialists as a way to draw people in. Just because they called themselves something doesn't mean they were that. That's literally propaganda again. You know, if we call ourselves socialists, it seems like we are doing things for the betterment of the entire country. Yes. However, they were fascists. They believed in extreme right-wing policies and the extermination of peoples they didn't happen to like. You know, so, yes. but the idea being that the if they were thought of themselves even slightly as socialists, they wouldn't want to go to a capitalist society necessarily. They would probably want to go to somewhere like communist Russia because it was more in line with their supposed socialist ideals. If you tell somebody they are something often enough, mm-hmm. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But yeah, apparently there was one scientist that went to Russia who apparently made Werner von Braun look like somebody tinkering with Lego, but apparently he died at 61. So he never really got to kind of fulfil his entire potential as such. But, you know, you've got to think that Russia developed the bomb not long after America had dropped them on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. Where did they get that information from? Indeed. So, yeah. Well, that was... I don't even know. I can't. I can't think of words that adequately describe <laughs> I'm how out of confused adjectives. and yeah, yeah, out of adjectives, which is a very different movie to Out of Africa. <laughs> Apparently, I wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. So that's Diglocker, such as it is, and I could have gone on for, you know, as always, a lot longer. So there's 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 an absolute ton of links for this one. And if any of our listeners are even slightly interested by this case, which is fascinating, there's plenty of additional reading for this one, so you can get stuck in. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for that thing. Uh, another piece. brain bender for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My melty brain does not know your, what to your brain say. after all these episodes looks like a Taurus knot now. Ah. It's just like turned and spiraled back in on in itself. itself. Yeah, it's like kind of. Something drawn by Escher. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's like a like a Mobius strip, and there's an yeah. ant running around it. <laughs> an ant. That's yes. what Escher drew. It was an ant running around a Mobius strip. Did he? Yeah. I'm not sure I've seen that one. I shall show it to you later. Why? Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, <laughs> if you still have a brain that is functioning, <laughs> and you want to email us with more questions, I don't know. Yeah. There's a couple of ways you can get in contact with us. You can email us. Stories of Strangeness at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Stories of Strangeness. There's a page and a group on there. At some Come point, I'm going to enunciate us. our title properly. What? I, I always go like... <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, you're talking to me, love, and nothing comes out right. Yeah. We have an Instagram page. We do. It's Instagram.com slash 
stories of strangeness. Strangeness. Yes. If you enjoy our episodes and you would like to support us in a monetary way, there is a couple of ways that you can do that. We have a Redbubble account where you can find our logo and other random drawings that we have done splattered over all kinds of random merchandise. From t-shirts to socks to shower curtains to clocks. Hey, I made that rhyme. There was a clock. There is is a a clock. clock. I did do a clock on a couple of them. Yes. Yes. So if you go onto Redbubble and search for Zoe and Mike, all one word, you will find our account. Yep. Um, We also have a Patreon account. We do. You are interested in extra content. Yeah. And randomness. This one might be for you. If you just want to support us monthly and not get anything, we have a two tier system. The first tier is. One pound a month. Is it one pound? Okay. Yep. The first tier is one pound a month. And for that, you'll get a shout out uh, on the podcast and you will have our undying gratitude. It really helps out. Yep. If you do want that extra content, which is minisodes, outtakes, that one that I can never remember. Time-lapse videos. That's the one. Time time travel. Every two weeks we do this and we've done 43 episodes (laughs) and you still haven't figured it out. It's my time, that's brain. Um, yeah. So yeah, all of that comes to how much a month? Three pounds a Three month. Three pounds a month. Look what at a that. bargain. And you Get can, involved. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Patreon account. Yep. Is there a link in the show notes for that? There will be, yeah. Excellent. Brilliant. We also have a Kofi. Coffee? Coffee. Coffee. I think it's generally coffee. Yeah. We also have a coffee account. Yay. Mike, tell them about that. <laughs> so that's something where you can donate one-off amounts so you're not tied into a subscription. It does mean you won't get any extra content, but that's fine. But you can donate as much or as little as you like, and we will appreciate every single cent, penny, yen, ruble, kopeck, whatever. I want to say goulash, but that's food. That's food. I would appreciate yeah. food, but I don't think you can pay with it. No, but that is ko-fi.com or coffee.com slash stories of strangeness. It's ko-fi.com slash stories of strangeness. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that rounds everything up nicely. Yep. And um, we'll see you again soon. Yep. See you later. Bye. Bye. Love you. Thank you.